We head to the Stanley Fencing and Gates hotline, as it's always fun when we get to uh, break down the rule book. And to help us do that is our good friend, SEC replay official Gerald Hodges, as he joins us for the remainder of tonight's program. If you have a question or comment for Gerald, 656-9900. 656-9900 is how you join us. His appearance brought to you by A.G. Hines Company, providing building materials since anyone can remember. Gerald, how are you? Doing well, John. How about yourself? Doing quite well. Hope you uh, hope you got to enjoy your week. Well, I had a weekend off, but it didn't feel like it. <laughs> <laughs> Gone too soon. That's for sure. Yes. Yeah. But, Jimmy, and, of course, folks, we, there's so much to discuss because, Jimmy, there was an instance that we talked about last week that we were going yeah. to bring up first and foremost when we had Gerald on, and so I give you the floor. I have watched football for many years. I've never seen this. So uh, there was a game, an NFL game on a Thursday night. A punter punted the ball. It got blocked. He went and picked it up, and then he punted it again. Now there's a debate about whether or not he was beyond the line of scrimmage. But Gerald Hodges, we know the NFL rule in college is a punter allowed to punt the ball twice if it's blocked, and then he punts it a second time behind the line of scrimmage. Okay. Uh, Jimmy, he can, but the ball cannot cross the line of scrimmage and come back. Once uh, Once it crosses the line of scrimmage and then he picks it up, he kicks it again, it's dead immediately, or – if he gets past the line of scrimmage, you know, runs like the soccer-style kicker sometimes, run, you know, right at the line. But if he's beyond the line when he kicks it either time, the ball's going to be dead. But if it's blocked and stays behind the line of scrimmage, uh, yes, he can pick it up and kick it again. I've never heard of this. I've watched football a long time. Has it ever occurred in a game in which you officiated? I have officiated a lot of games that I've never seen it, even on TV. <laughs> Gerald, in this instance, um, when you have a punt that's been blocked and or tipped, then you can't. Then somebody will not get flagged for roughing the kicker, correct? If it's the guy that touches the ball roughs the kicker, then it gotcha. would not be roughing. That's correct. It okay, has to be the guy that touches it, correct? All right. So, in the instance that we're describing, is there still protection for the punter if he tries to kick it again? All right. The other, the other part of the college rule is if there is any doubt that the kick is going to be made, you probably won't get roughing the kicker unless it's just a really, you know, just a horrible, horrible hit. And the same thing with these soccer-style kickers. If, you know, if they run outside the tackle box and then kick it, they lose their protection. Okay. Well, this play was over near the sideline, so they would have, in, at that point in time, lost his protection, correct? Uh, I would think so. Yes. All right. He started running yeah. with the ball. It's like, is he gonna? And then he he abruptly stopped and said, "Hey, let me try to punt this." Yeah. Why not? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> so he was still behind the line of scrimmage for the second kick. Jimmy? Well, that to me that was debatable. Uh, the line of scrimmage was a twenty-one yard line, and when uh, he made contact with his foot, it was on the twenty-two. But they ruled that he had a part of his body on the twenty-one. It's uh, it's almost like the uh, quarterback who's uh, beyond the line of scrimmage. If any part of his body is behind the line, then he's behind the line, right? So that, that is correct. They, yeah. So they applied, yeah, and that is a reviewable play in college yeah. for sure. Yeah, don't. Uh-huh. But I, I thought he was beyond the line when he punted it. I know when he when it hit his foot, he was beyond the line. But 
Anyway, to me, that was debatable. But I have another question along these lines. So what if it's a field goal kicker? He has the kick blocked. It's behind the line of scrimmage. Can the kicker or the holder pick it up and punt it? Good question. I will have to look <laughs> that one. I don't see why not put it that way. I don't know of any reason, but I will get into that. I really will. Yeah. Uh, but I don't. As long as it's behind the line of scrimmage, you know, uh, he can punt it. Uh, I guess you could theoretically. We uh, we had the caller last week asking about the drop kick. I was thinking I about that exactly. Was, yeah, if he's good enough, you know, he could probably drop kick it, and it'd be legal. But I will research that. I'm on the whole whole judgment on that. Okay. <laughs> and and I think I know the answer, but I'll ask you this. So on that situation again with the punter, he punts it, it's blocked. Let's say a teammate, not the punter, a teammate picks it up behind the line. Can he punt it also? Does that... I don't see any I don't know of any reason why he couldn't as yeah. long as it's behind the line of scrimmage. Okay. That's what I thought. I just wanted to double check. I just yeah. I was just flabbergasted by what I saw the other day, and as much as I've watched football, I had no clue about that. In fact, the officials initially threw a flag on that play, okay. and then they had to they yeah. had to get a little help about. Oh no, that's legal. So yeah, that, that <laughs> I can was, understand somebody throwing the flag because they can always pick it up. Yeah, <laughs> yes, uh, yeah, that's exactly that, right. You know, so. on that same deal, you know, of course, too, you know, another kit is a return. In other words. Say the receiver does receive a punt or a kickoff and turn around and kicks it back to him, then it's it's dead. Then that's you know, that's an illegal kick, also. So, wait, wait a minute, where is it I've dead? Ne- I've never seen that either. So <laughs> is it dead where the guy kicked it, or where... yes? Okay. Yes. All right. Let's uh, let's go to the phones where Andy joins us. Andy, you're on Sports Talk. Good evening. Good evening, guys. Uh, hello, Mr. Gerald. I've got a curious question, and it's always bothered me. Let's just throw out a scenario let's just say it's first and 10 and the quarterback goes back and throws a pass and it's incomplete well same scenario well it'll be second down so same scenario he goes back throws a pass and is sacked for intentional grounding they call it a loss of down why is that not third down if it's a loss of down and well, that's what I just he, don't understand is they call it a loss of down, but it's not. It just goes just like a regular incomplete pass. It goes to second down instead of going to third down. That's correct, except that it is from the spot of the of the pass, so there is a penalty involved on it. Oh, it's, right. it's a loss of down from the spot of the foul. Yeah, and the loss of down, Andy, is referring to the fact that most penalties, you play the down over. Right. So if it's first down and there's holding on it, then it goes from first and 10 to first and 20. If it's intentional grounding, then the loss of down means you don't go back to first down. You now move on to second down, and the penalty's been enforced. Okay. Perfect. Go ahead. Go ahead. But there are... No, yeah, there's a couple of curious. illegal kicking and illegal batting are loss of down fouls also, plus they do have yardage. Okay. Uh, I was just curious. I didn't know why they call it loss of down when it really technically technically is really not a loss of down, but yet technically it is, I guess I should say. Yeah. But uh, <laughs> I was right. just always curious about that. I, I don't know why they sure. did that, but just always wondered why. Right. Yeah. All right. Thank you. Andy, sure do yes, appreciate sir. it. Thank you. 
And Gerald, I, I think we've talked about this before, but I've seen it more often. Uh, I have seen some intentional grounding called on quarterbacks whenever the receiver's running an out route and he throws it deep, and they'll call intentional grounding on that because the receiver ran a different route. Uh, has there been a, a more of a change in philosophy among officials to say, we're not going to interpret whether he ran the right, right route, we're just going to say if it's not near the receiver, then that's a flag for intentional grounding. Yeah, and there, there has Jimmy, and that's a good point. Uh, it has shifted some. Uh, used to, you know, we'd just say, well, the receiver ran the wrong route, you know, and it happens. It happens, you know. They're kids, you know, and uh, but then they have the way the rule is written is in what they tell us. If he throws the ball into an area that is not occupied by an eligible receiver, then it's intentional grounding. And so they're kind of leaning back more to, you know, we don't, we don't read intent into, you know, or not into, you know, so, well, he meant to do this. And, you know, it's kind of like targeting, you know, we don't, we're not supposed to rule intent into targeting. And uh, so, but it has swung more to that. You know, like I said, used to if somebody just ran a down and out short route and they threw it long, then, oh, you know, then, you know, they'd let them kind of get by with that. But they're they're leaning more to more to where they're going to penalize that. Does and it, it's still a work in progress. So. Does the quarterback have to be under duress? Oh, uh, yeah, to have, yeah. To have actually intentional grounding, usually it does. If he's just out there and throws it away, if he's outside the tackle box, normally then, you know, they don't they don't call that. So that's the key. You know, words, if he's if he's being in the process of you know, if he's throwing it away to save yardage, you know, I, that's fairly easy, you know, to see. But if he's not under duress and just rolls out, you know, gets way outside and just throws it out, the, you know downfield then normally they won't call that okay i was um i was watching a particular game and uh in this situation uh the team was kind of hurrying up to the line of scrimmage and at least uh there was more than one person wasn't set but there was an uncovered receiver they stamped the ball the quarterback he throws a touchdown pass is that reviewable if you have at least one if not more people in motion is that reviewable that is not that is not right now. And you, you, you have a key phrase there, right now. Um, That's right. Yeah, because yeah. sometimes they may come back and add something to the reviewable table that may not be reviewable right now, correct? They they typically do. We usually get an ad something every year. I mean, it's, you know, from the – I think I may have told you when the first replay manual came out, it was like 25 pages, and now it's about 125. So. <laughs> Oh my goodness! Well, it's not all new things we look at, but it's you know interpretations. Mm -hmm. You know, it's sample plays of what you know what we do. So, but it has grown uh, quite a bit over the years. Gerald saw something had not seen before yesterday, and and we've talked about it before in terms of ball. A team has the ball near the goal line. And the uh, the running back goes into the line, and then you have a couple of offensive linemen that get behind the runner and push it forward, and they are allowed to push, and they can push it across the goal line, and that's a touchdown. Yesterday, there was a team that was trying to get the ball back 
so what they did, as the other team had the ball near the goal line, it was the defense that surrounded the ball carrier and pushed him into the end zone. So they could get the score. They gave the other team. They were already trailing in the game. Already trailing in the game. So they pushed him into the end zone so they could get the ball back, and they wouldn't allow him take to take a knee. Um, have you ever yeah. seen anything like that? I haven't, but that would be legal. I mean, you know, unless they grabbed him and pulled him just like it was of his own teammate. But uh, you can any player on the field can block another player, I mean, as long as it's a legal block or push. So. And the ball, if the ball gets in the end zone and uh, the offense is in possession of it, it's a touchdown. That, <laughs> that was a pretty smart play, I guess. Somebody thought of that. Yeah. Didn't work in the end, but, hey, give them an A for effort. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's exactly right. Yeah, they at least they were thinking. <laughs> Our guest is SEC replay official Gerald Hodges. He joins us on the Stanley Fencing and Gates hotline, and his appearance brought to you by A.G. Hines Company. More with Gerald coming up as you listen to Sports Talk. If you have a question or comment about the rule book, 656-9900, 656-9900. Our guest, SEC replay official Gerald Hodges. If you have a question or comment for Gerald, 656-9900, 656-9900. Star 990 is free for AT&T and U.S. Cellular customers the Toll-free number, 1-866-656-9900. Gerald uh, saw an interesting discussion break out over the weekend, and that was uh, came from a high school game. And that is there is a receiver that's running down the right boundary, and he crosses into the end zone, pulls in, and very, very nice athletic play, pulls in a pass over his right shoulder, and it looks like his heel, as he's continuing to move forward, and he starts to angle to the right, so towards out of bounds, but in the end zone, catches a pass, heel lands, toes are out of bounds, in terms of that's what the video appeared to be. Does the heel count as in bounds, or when it's heel first, do the toes also have to be in bounds, as opposed to dragging a toe to get in bounds when you're headed towards the sideline? You're exactly right. The heel toe is part of a normal step, and therefore it would be out of bounds. If the heel hits in and then the toe comes down on the line, it is an out of bounds. Uh, he is out of bounds. And if they go the other way, and he, you know, you've seen them, they'll drag two feet even mm-hmm. in the pros. They drag their toes on the way out. Of course, one in college would do it. That's be two in the pros, and you'll see them, you know, they'll practice that, literally. So, yeah, the toe dragging across is inbounds, the heel toe, and there's been a lot, lots of conversation about that even on the college ranks. So, mm-hmm. uh, but right now, that's the way the rule reads, so that was, that was a correct call. So if somebody, well, it was ruled a touchdown, um, but yeah. I, I, obviously they don't have the uh, real time. It was a bang-bang play. And they don't have yeah. the uh, the benefit of review. But tell me this: if somebody, say for instance, is backpedaling towards the back of the end zone, and just for how the body parts work, a guy goes up in the air, comes down, the heel hits in, but he falls backwards and out. If it's just the heel and he's going backwards and out, do the toes have to come down, or would that heel count as being in bounds on that particular play? That would be an inbound. That would be a catch. Yes. Okay. Interesting. Yeah, if you dry, if you're laying, you know, falling backwards and mm-hmm. your heels are both in, and you fall out that way, okay. it'll be a catch. All right. Yeah, I can understand that. All right. Wow. <laughs> so many rules. <laughs> uh, 
So, Gerald, I was, I was watching a game, and they uh, there was a targeting call that they were reviewing. Uh, but on this same play, there was uh, a defender that clearly grabbed a guy's face mask and ripped his helmet off. And so that player had to come out of a game because his helmet came off. They did not call face mask. So when the replay official is looking at targeting, could he also notice the face mask being jerked off by a defender and say, hey, that should be a face mask penalty and that player should not have to leave the game? Jimmy, we cannot do that. And that's coming. It really Mm -hmm. is. Because the way the rule reads, if the helmet comes off because of a foul, then, you know, uh, then he doesn't have to come out of the game. But if there wasn't a foul called on play, then he would have to come out. But I promise you that's going to be looked at. It's been looked at before. And, of course, you know, that's just something else. We They they don't want us calling that many fouls from the booth. Yeah. Uh, and something like that where it involves the player having to leave the game. I really, I really do think that will get quite a bit of traction this year. Well, I, and, and as I was watching it, I wasn't sure of the rule, and I'm like, wait a minute, how could you miss that guy grabbing his face mask, a replay official? And then I thought, well, maybe he doesn't have the jurisdiction to do that. So That's, uh, cor- that's so, correct. Yeah, you that's answered correct. that one. Well, that, that was a tough one, but the focus was on the targeting. I get that. But it was on the, sure. the person that was the guilty party in the targeting is also the one that had his helmet ripped off. <laughs> so. Oh he, yeah, he was in a world of hurt. He, and then they reversed yes. they reversed the targeting call. So okay, <laughs> so yeah, but it was so um, he still had to come out one play. Then he, he the did. He, he yeah. sure did. Okay. Yep. okay. Let's uh, go back to the phones. It's Bo who joins us next. Hello, Bo. Hey, uh, how are y'all doing? First of all, fine. How are you? Good. Good, Bo. Doing doing great. Uh, I've got a question. Uh, it's it has to do with uh, logics and the ruling with the heel and, and being in bounds or not. I understand. Uh, uh, you make a good point that the normal step involves that the heel comes down first and the toes follow in a normal step. This is going to sound ridiculous, but logically thinking, have you ever seen like kids on the playground walk on their heels? If a player were to say touch in bounds with his heel falling forward, but his toes never come down what would be the ruling and then could that set a precedent for how that, how the original rule could adapt? Well, the, if the toe never comes down on the line, then he's in bounds. You know, yeah, I see what you're saying. Uh, you see kids walking on their heels all the time. Uh, yeah. If he could, if he could maintain control of the ball, you know, and get the heels down some way without letting them hit on the line. And I mean, technically, yes, it would be, uh, it would be a catch, but uh, it would, you know, he'd have to have some really strong, <laughs> strong leg muscles to keep that toe up. Usually, if they're going towards the sideline. But it, to answer your question, in reality, yes, if he can keep the toes off the out of bounds line, and where you see it, most likely would be on an artificial turf. You know, so yeah, and so the yeah, the, and the point being the logistics behind that. I imagine you had mentioned sure. before that yeah. there's a lot of discussion about that, and I imagine that's probably been brought up. Right. Yeah. All right. Well, thank you all very much. I appreciate it. All right. Thank you, yes, Bo. Sir. Let's go next to David. You're on Sports Talk. Hello, David. Yeah. Hey, John. Hey. Always uh, really appreciate this uh, part of your show, uh, Gerald. Just real quick, what is the difference between illegal procedure and a false start? 
Well, the signal is the same, and uh, you can have you'll have a there's several several files that that signal covers, but basically okay. a false start you know is but uh, you know like a kick out of bounds the signal is the same it's you know the you know twirl your arms for a kick out of bounds but uh, the uh, the false start basically is an illegal procedure it could be an illegal snap you know he could kind of double clutch the snap that would be the same thing. Well, I've noticed that, you know, some of the games I watch, it seems like certain officiating crews will refer to it as a false start, which, you know, typically an offensive lineman moves first, blah, blah, blah. And then you see some other crews, they they don't use the false start narrative. They use the illegal procedure narrative. And I've always been curious, is there a definition or is it just kind of a lingo between referees? It is, and it's pretty much all the same because basically a false okay. start is an illegal procedure. I mean, that's why I've always figured it's the same thing. I just figured it was just, you know, some maybe throughout the years, you know, one meant this and one meant that, and, you know, and now they both mean right. the same, and it's just, just legal. Mm-hmm. Anyway, great show, guys. Yeah. I really appreciate it. David, thank, thank you. 656 star 990 is free for AT&T and U.S. Cellular customers. The toll-free number, 1-866-656-9900. I'm John Wilkerson with Jimmy Hyams. A final segment for us with SEC replay official Gerald Hodges as he joins us on the Stanley Fencing and Gates Hotline. Gerald's appearance brought to you by A.G. Hines Company, providing building materials since anyone can remember. Gerald, we've talked about it before in terms of how much time it might take to run a play, and it's amazing how quickly some quarterbacks can operate in getting a throw to the sidelines, getting a receiver out of bounds to where it is literally just a handful of seconds. But I thought there was a coach that had a legitimate beef in his game. It was actually week before this past one. It's a game that's tied at 17 right before the half. And so there's a team that has the ball, a goal-to-go situation, and runs the ball. There's four seconds left on the clock. They run the ball. The momentum is stopped. Forward progress is halted, and he is stopped short of the line to gain. As the whistles blow, uh, the defense celebrates for the fact that they've turned him away, and yet the team that still had the ball, the coach called timeout, was given the timeout, and they put one second back on the clock, which allowed that team to kick a field goal and break the tie right before the half. Uh, I do think that it is a fair question that in a running play to where momentum is stopped, forward progress is stopped, it seems like it would be hard to run a play in less than four seconds actually take part in terms of the snap, the handoff, the running into the line, and it being determined that the play had been stopped. Uh, Just what do you think in terms of that scenario? Well, in that situation, John, that is a reviewable play. And the coach would have to be really on his toes. Uh, what we go by, and uh, I had one several years ago where we did put time back on in one second. But uh, anyway, uh, if the team has the timeout, what we have to look for is not the coach. It has to be an official, you know, in, in a lot of cases where if they're between, if they're in the coach's box, the coach will tell that wing official, said, hey, as soon as this ball is marked dead, I'm going to call timeout. But he has to call it. You can't just say, hey, I want a timeout as soon as the ball's dead. He has to, sit, he has to tell the, the official that, and the official has to signal 
with time on the clock. We can review that. And since he had, there, there's another part to this. Mm-hmm. Since he did have a timeout, then the clock would not start until the snap. And uh, so say he runs out of bounds and, uh, you know, time ran out, you know, after that. We cannot put time back on the clock if when they bring it back in. Well, let me rephrase that. Say he made a first down Mm -hmm. and the clock was going to start on the ready. Yes. Then uh, there has to be at least three seconds on the clock for us to put time back on it. Okay. So that was a real change uh, a couple of years ago. So, but if there is a timeout and we see an official signal, Mm -hmm. you know, start up with his arms, then, and if there's, and what we do, I don't, and sometimes you'll notice it on TV, but, we talk to the producers during the week. I'll get a list of the producers for my game this week. We all do sometime, probably tomorrow. Mm-hmm. And we'll be in touch with that producer. And what we tell them is in the, like the last, say, two minutes even, where it's critical, last two minutes of each half, they have a designated camera focus right on the play clock or the game clock. Okay. So it's synced with the snap. So all we have to do, I can run through it. And say they spike the ball, whatever. That's you know that'll stop the clock. When I stop that, we've got the the game clock, and then the ball being dead. Then we know exactly how much time is on that clock. So if some run, and you have a little you have a little lag time, human error, and sometimes we'll put you know a couple three seconds back on the clock in that that instance. Okay, so as far as the mechanics of the team with the ball at the goal line wanting to run it in, if he tells that wing official, uh, if we don't get this, I'm going to call timeout, he has to start calling timeout as soon as that play looks like it's not going to be successful, right? Exactly. Okay. All right. And they have to, it it, it behooves the offense to run straight ahead and not run down the line of scrimmage because that's going to run the clock out. Yeah. But yeah, if it's a dead, you know, dive straight up the middle and they don't make it and he gets the official, you know, the official signals timeout and there's some on the clock, then we can put it back on there. Gerald, I want to ask you this, uh, and we're a little bit short on time, but I saw a, a pass to a wide receiver behind the line of scrimmage, another wide receiver in front of him blocked before the ball was caught. Is that legal? Is it okay to block before the ball's caught if the ball is caught behind the line of scrimmage? Yes, and he can actually go downfield any any number of yards. That's the other thing about this pass. As long as that ball doesn't cross the line of scrimmage, he can go five yards downfield and block. So that is totally legal. Yeah, because I saw a, a, one coach was yelling pass interference, and I'm thinking, no, that ball was caught behind the line. That's uh, that's legal. So that's exactly right. Yeah, and yeah. sometimes. Sometimes it gets, you know, they'll, it'll mean to, it'll be meant to be behind the line and it'll drift a lot beyond the line of scrimmage, which that's another reviewable play that we have. We can, we can decide whether that ball's crossed the line of scrimmage or not. Gotcha. Okay. Joe, we appreciate it. Thank you very much. Hey, Gerald, thank yes, you sir. so much. Hope you have a great week, safe travels, and uh, sorry you have to go back to work. <laughs> yeah, I needed it. I was getting worked too hard at home over the weekend. <laughs> well, then enjoy the break. <laughs> yeah, that's <laughs> great. All right. Thank you very much, Gerald. And that's SEC replay official Gerald Hodges joining us on the Stanley Fencing Gates Hotline. Again, his appearance brought to you by A.G. Hines Company.